The accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba presents the 23rd College Football Hall of Fame season of Fighting Irish Preview. And now, the Banditos' fresh made daily kickoff with your host, Phil Houck. Good day, Notre Dame Nation, and welcome to everyone's favorite game show, Jumped to That Conclusion, the show where Fighting Irish Preview calmly and with words of wisdom address and debunk some of the conclusions that fans love to jump to after just the first game of the season. I'm your host, Phil Houck, and our contestant today, a lifelong fan of the Fighting Irish, please welcome Joe Hantana. Joe, tell us a bit about yourself. And is it true that you have a shamrock tattooed on one bicep and a leprechaun on the other? Uh, thanks. Thanks, Phil. Boy, this is a thrill of my life. And well, yes, on the tattoos, they were having a two-for-one special, so I went for it. After all, I love my fighting Irish. Okay, okay, all right. Now, the, the, the rules of the game are simple. On my cue, you will have 10 seconds to jump to a conclusion about Notre Dame football based on the Louisville game. And then it will be my job to bring you back to reality. So, let's play... Joe Hantana jumped to that conclusion. All right, during the Louisville game, Ian Book was running for his life, passed inaccurately, and he fumbled twice. He has lost it. Another example of a quarterback regressing under Brian Kelly's coaching. Bring on Phil Dracovic. Nicely done, Joe. And boy, have you jumped to a conclusion. Okay, now, settle down. Let's think this through. Ian Book, this quarterback that, as you say, has lost it, actually had a decent day by most standards. 14 for 23, 193 yards and a touchdown. No interceptions, 61% completion percentage, rushed for 81 yards and another TD, and he played much better as the game wore on. Was he great? No. Was he good enough? Yes, especially in the second half of the game. Besides, Phil Jerkovic simply is not ready. Ian Book is the man, and he's pretty good, and there is every reason to believe he will get better. Okay, and now on to round two. Joe Hantana, jump to that conclusion. All right, Phil, here goes. Louisville was awful last year. They were 2-10, and ten, and they were actually ahead of us for a time in the first half, and we only beat them by 18 points. There's no chance these Irish will go to the playoffs this year. Well, Joe, there you go again, jumping to a conclusion. But let's have a little recent history lesson. Remember last year, the season in which the Irish went undefeated and to the playoffs? Hmm, remember the Ball State game? The Irish were 33-point favorites that day. Well, they won by eight. Vanderbilt game, 14-point favorites, won by five. And against Pitt, the Irish were favored by 21, and they barely pulled out a five-point win. Now, last week against Louisville, the Irish were favored by 20 and won by 18. Actually, the result is about what was expected. Come on, man, this season isn't over. Heck, the Irish actually moved up in the polls a notch. It's all good. Enjoy the ride. Go Irish. All right, Joe, time for round three. Jump to that conclusion. Okay, Phil, here goes. Defense, are you kidding me? They were gashed for 249 yards rushing. Louisville was horrible last year, and in the first quarter they went through the Irish like a knife through butter. Notre Dame will have no chance against teams like Georgia and Michigan. Nice conclusion jump, Joe. Writing off the defense after the first game. But wait, it's a young group. 
that's just getting settled in at linebacker, and oh, after giving up two touchdowns in the first 10 minutes, the Irish yielded only a field goal the rest of the game. This defense is full of playmakers and new budding stars like Kyle Hamilton and Awusu Koromoa and Drew White. Those three guys actually played pretty well Saturday. This defense will come around. Okay, Joe, last round, and this one counts double. Joe Hantana, jump to that conclusion. Well, you know, Phil, after listening to you, I think jumping to negative conclusions is sort of a waste of time because, you know, I love the Irish, and, well, maybe just maybe instead of being negative, it's a better idea to be positive in my outlook. So the only conclusion I care to jump to is this, that 2019 is going to be a great season. Shake down the thunder. Go Irish. Great conclusion, Joe, and we have a winner. Go Irish. Well, thanks to everyone for watching our show. Jump to that conclusion. Banditos with three Fort Wayne locations, Waynedale, Georgetown, and Glenbrook Commons. Banditos is fresh made daily. Now, stay tuned for Fighting Irish Insight. From America's foremost authority on Notre Dame football, Tim Priester, senior editor of irishillustrated.com. After these words from Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, Sheer McCulloch Auctioneers, and Coors Light, the world's most refreshing beer, this is Fighting Irish Preview. The University of Notre Dame exemplifies dedication to hard work, integrity, and personal values which result in success in the classroom and on the football field. The professionals at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like Notre Dame, know the same dedication, and their experience and ability provides peace of mind. Combining local expertise with access to national and international experts through their affiliation with BDO, the fifth largest accounting firm in the world. Tax planning, tax compliance, auditing, business valuation, and estate planning. The full-service accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba, like the Irish, has what it takes to help you achieve success. Located in Fort Wayne near Jefferson Point, Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba proudly supports Notre Dame football and congratulates all those who are a part of the greatest tradition in all of sports. Go Irish! This is Art Salzberg. I don't endorse everybody, but I found a company that I think provides a great service. The company is Shearer McCulloch, and what they do is targeted specifically for seniors, people who may be thinking about downsizing and are overwhelmed by the thought of what it's going to take. Shearer McCulloch will pack you up, move you, and then sell your house and everything that's left. Now that's the most comprehensive relocation service anywhere and what I call in sports terms covering all the bases. Sharon McCulloch uses an international auction platform to make sure your possessions are seen by the right buyers. They're looking to get top dollar from people who have an interest in the special treasures you've collected over the years. Sharon McCulloch is A-plus rated by the Better Business Bureau and highly recommended by leading retirement communities and law firms. If Sharon and I decide to make a change in lifestyle, we'll be calling Sharon McCulloch at 441-8636. That's 441-8636. We trust them, and we know they'll make things easy and profitable. We all have our mountains. The challenges that push us further. At Coors Light, our mountain is brewing the world's most refreshing beer. That's why all of our breweries cold lager to give Coors Light its signature crisp taste. It's why we cold filter to ensure brilliance and clarity. And it's why we package cold to seal in Coors Light's refreshing flavor. Because we believe every climb deserves a refreshing finish. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Great beer, great responsibility. 
Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Houck. Tim Priester, you know, last week, a new stadium for the Irish and a new press box for you and me. A pretty solid atmosphere for a program that was 2-10 and 10 last year. But did you feel uh, or kind of start to feel like I did as the game time approached that Louisville was going to be a jacked-up football team? Well, I knew that Scott Satterfield was a good coach. He did a really excellent job at Appalachian State, offensively, defensively, special teams. And I had communicated with some people at Louisville since the spring, and they were very excited about what he was doing. So, I mean, I, I put a lot of it on him. I would, you know, remind people that prior to last year, Louisville had won 57 games in the previous six years. So they suddenly weren't devoid of talent. And Satterfield's done a good job, and their their offense is tricky, and it took a couple series before Notre Dame caught on to what they were doing. Notre Dame's offensive performance is a little bit more perplexing, but they didn't have Michael Young and Cole Kmet either. So, and then uh, Jafar Armstrong yeah. after the first first series. So, not to make excuses for him, Notre Dame was a little sloppy, obviously, but when they had to come through, they held uh, Louisville scoreless or to three points rather over the last forty nine minutes. And Ian Book, as he did last year, when he had a bad first half, he played much better in the second half. He did, and I, I just thought that for a team that last year had the reputation for having quit on Bobby Petrino, I thought that I thought Louisville played hard the whole time and with a lot of emotion, and that certainly played into their fast start, at least their fast start off, offensively. And a few other things played into that fast start offensively. And I, and I want you to go into that a bit. Why couldn't Notre Dame stop them on the first two drives? And then what did Notre Dame do the rest of the game to respond to that? Well, it's it's difficult to simulate uh, a, a very deceptive offense uh, on the practice field. And it took them a while. You know, we hear this all the time, but there's truth to it. It took them a while to catch up to the speed of what they were doing. They started taking Juwan Pass away from the Louisville offense in terms of the running game. I, I thought guys like Jeremiah Wusu-Koromoa played a good game at Rover. At times, he was trying to play three positions at once, and you have to play your role. There's some young linebackers out there, some young players in general uh, out there, and a couple of the veterans. I mean, I didn't think that Julian O'Farra and Colin Kareem played well, and Brian Kelly's comments afterwards, although he didn't specify anybody, indicated that he wasn't happy with some of the veterans. So, a couple of things like that conspired against Notre Dame. Um, but, uh, again, as as the game went on, Notre Dame played better football and did what they had to do. Well, we'll talk about that comment from Brian Kelly after the game. And, and I'm paraphrasing here, but you just referred to it. And he basically said that, in his opinion, the younger players actually performed pretty well on Saturday. But it was the veterans that needed to improve their performances. Who might he have been referring to? And was he really throwing those guys under the bus? I don't know. I mean, when you have when you have three different defensive ends jump offside uh, and they're veterans, I, I think he was probably referring to Aquara and, and Kareem. Certainly, Asmar Bilal at Buck linebacker didn't have uh, a very good game, and you know Ian Book's a senior as well. So I mean, there's four right there, some older guys. But you had the freshman uh, step forward. There's no doubt, and you had senior step forward, Logan Gilman. I thought played very well. Uh, Ade Ogundeji, who is a senior, I guess we kind of consider him a fairly inexperienced guy as a backup. He he played really well. I thought Drew White came in, one of the young guys, and, and uh, played well at, at linebacker. Tommy Tremble at tight end, obviously, did some really good things. So I think that bodes well. You know, when you you know the veterans are going to play well, and if you can get those young guys to play well in their first game, 
when the veterans play like they normally do, your chances are pretty good. You're going to be a pretty good team. Yeah, it's it's just going to be a question of putting it together, and there's no position on that field where the Irish are looking right now to put it together than at the linebacker position. Talk about the, the rotation. We saw players running in and out at, at uh, all three of those slots continuously. There were some good performances and some not-so-good performances. Yeah, as I mentioned, Drew White, I, you know, and, and frankly, I don't think that really surprised anybody that he was solid. He, he showed when he came in for Drew Tranquil last year against Navy that he could play. He got hurt in the spring off the field, and then he won the job in in uh, in, in the preseason. So he was good. Bilal struggled. I thought when Shane Simon was in there, the defense was stable. Whether that was attributed to him or not, that remains to be seen. Jack Lamb, I think, shows some good football instincts. And then when you consider uh, Awusu Koromoa, they call him a rover, but he really is part linebacker, part safety. He's really active and really physical. Awusu Koromoa and Drew White are your two most physical linebackers of the three. So it's still a work in progress, but you have something to build with with, uh, with Awusu Koromoa and White. Yeah, and I love the uh, that athleticism of Koromoa. He can be a star, and if – Bilal can play like a, a senior, an experienced one. He's kind of out of position, but if he can step up and play well, just like uh, Brian Kelly uh, talked about in his post game, he needs to step up. Uh, let's talk about the front line, though. Uh, you know, these defensive ends—they were touted as ar- arguably the best uh, pass rush in Notre Dame recent history, and uh, but. Replacing Jerry Tillery and Jonathan Bonner, that's going to affect their play as well. well yeah, yeah I, I, there's no doubt about it. Look, nobody should be worried about Julian O'Carr and Khaled Kareem. They're going to be just fine. Ogan Daisy's always been a, a, a productive player for them, and I thought Dalen Hayes played some pretty good football too. Inside, definitely the best game that Myron Tagovailoa-Mosa has played. That doesn't mean he's Jerry Tillery, but... Uh, it was it was a good performance for him. I thought Jason Adamiola came off the bench and did some good things. You know, the problem with, so to speak, with Kurt Heinisch is he's really a backup nose tackle who's now in a starting position. So between him and freshman Jacob Lacey, they're going to have to pick up their productivity there. But I wouldn't, as far as the defensive ends, they're proven they're going to be just fine. Yeah, and they were really close a number of times making big plays and uh and I think in uh, the future they're going to make those plays. Just need another quarter of a step or a or a or a longer fist on uh, on those tackles. Now, on the back end of the defense, Aloy Gilman made plays uh, that was to be expected, but so did Sean Crawford back from injury, and I would say he performed really well. And freshman safety Kyle Hamilton, uh, twenty to twenty five snaps. My first time seeing him. Wow. How did the Irish get Hamilton's talents on the field at that loaded safety position the rest of the season? I really don't think that'll be a problem because he subbed in for both uh, Gilman and Jalen Elliott. So there's one way. And then the other way, of course, he's on the field, definitely in dime situations and, and, and most likely most nickel situations. So he'll get, he'll get plenty of snaps. He's on kick coverage. Um, you know, I wouldn't worry about that as long as you're as good at safety as you are. Um, but, you know, Hamilton's a playmaker. He can, his ability to be behind a receiver and reach around with those long arms and make plays without interfering is really uncanny. And Gilman is Gilman's Gilman. You know, Gilman comes ready to play. Didn't miss a run fit when he slipped on a 44-yard run 
by Louisville, but uh, that's a good back end. I think Troy Pride was was solid, and Sean Crawford. You know, some people question why bring him back for a fifth year after two ACLs and an Achilles. That is why, because the guy knows how to play football when he's healthy, which he was in 2017. He's really good, and knock on wood, he's one game uh, one game into 2019, and really. Because of the multiple injuries, he is a candidate, I would think, for a sixth year in 2020. Yeah, that that could be special. Uh, his comeback is remarkable because uh, a big contributor last Saturday. So as long as he stays healthy, he's going to be key. And Kyle Hamilton just can't wait to see how his career goes. Uh, Tim, let's focus a little more on the offense. Uh, break down Ian Book's performance for us. What was it about his play on Monday night that made him look so different from, uh, let's say, the uh, the Wake Forest game last year. He was just skittish, and you know, I, I mean, I think we we saw when he played like that at times last year, and he always bounced back in the second half, and he did this time. I just, you know, they talked, uh, having reviewed the game on on TV, um, they talked about him working on his pocket presence, and they felt like that was going to be a significant improvement, and I do think that that will improve, but it wasn't apparent the other night. He just abandoned the pocket. There were too many times where it was 1,001, 1,002, and he was taking off, whether there was pressure on him or not. There was one instance where it was a three-man rush, which I understand they're dropping eight, so you don't have a lot of passing lanes. But he wasn't under duress, and he takes off on a third and ten and gains eight, and they have to punt. He just has to be more patient back there. I was a little surprised at some of the inaccuracy. He was bailed out a couple times on great catches by... Uh, Chase Claypool and Lawrence Keyes. They had a fourth and four where he normally hits that crossing route on Chris Fink, and he was so far off target that Fink had to die for it and came up short of the first down. So I still think that he's dealing with Ian Book. That is, is dealing with some uh, some nerve issues. It's first game of the year. I'm very confident he'll bounce back, and pretty confident that in time that pocket presence will will develop. Well, he's got that one out of his way the first game, and uh, I, I was really surprised. I thought that coming into this year, he was going to be uh, a poised leader, general out on the field. He didn't look that way, but there's still plenty of time for that to develop. Now, the running back situation, and that's developing, not necessarily in a good way. Uh, you know, Tony Jones, uh, good. You know, 15 carries, 110 yards, and a touchdown. Jamar Smith, Jameer Smith. Uh, looks like a goal line guy. Two short touchdowns, but Tim, with uh, the news on Jafar Armstrong, uh, looks like he's going to be out at least a month and maybe more. I'm really concerned about this position. He'll the Jafar Armstrong will definitely be out at least a month. I would think that you know by the time they get to Michigan following a bye week, game seven, you know hopefully they have him back by then. But it's not a good situation because I mean they don't have the breakaway guy like Dexter Williams. Far Armstrong was your closest thing to that. Now you're going to be without him. Uh, Tony Jones Jr. is a he, he absolutely had a very good game and looks quicker, but he's not a high volume guy. I mean, he had 15 carries, and, and I mean, Notre Dame has never felt like he was a guy that can be a 20, 22 carry guy, and he's in a position now where you kind of need him to be that. But that's where J- Jameer Smith comes in. I think Jameer Smith will be a load to handle. Uh, not great speed, but a, certainly a short yardage guy, although they did struggle in short yardage. I really think that they need to take a good look at Sebo Flemister because now he becomes the fastest back uh, or the fastest healthy back 
that they have. And Kyron Williams is a guy that they like a lot. They think he can really help them, especially in the passing game. But when you add it all up, the running back situation is not very good right now. Yeah, I don't know. Kyron Williams had a had a good fall camp. Uh, maybe he can bring something. Uh, they're they're going to have to give him another chance. Uh, awfully thin at running back right now. Maybe, hey, maybe you bring Avery Davis back. I don't know. A couple of quick hits, Tim. Uh, special teams, we got to feel good, really. No field goals in the game, but Jonathan Doerr, I thought the extra point operation, 5-for-5, five five, looked flawless, and I like the way he's putting kickoffs into the end zone. And Cole Bramlett, I thought, punted really well. Not the distance, maybe, that Tyler Newsom had, uh, but hang time is where it's at. How do you feel about the special teams? Well, I, yeah, I, I like the way Jonathan Doerr just calmly approached the job. Now, he may require a little bit more sense of urgency. Uh, as they as they progress forward, but I thought he did a good job. Uh, and Jay Bramblett, you know, I mean, you can talk about Tyler Newsom averaging forty four yards per punt, but Notre Dame was, I think, they allowed like thirty five yards net on punts with um, with Newsom last year. Six punts by Bramblett, thirty nine point three yards per per punt, and thirty nine point three net. Bottom line is net, so that's pretty good. Yeah, if you can't return them, uh, that's a good thing. And one more quick hit, Tim. How many games can Louisville win this year? You know, Kirk Herbstreet said he thought they'd they'd make it to a bowl, which means six wins. I think if you look at their schedule, they play Eastern Kentucky and Western Kentucky next, so they should beat those two. But I'm not sure that that ACC schedule allows them to get to six wins. But with Scott Satterfield, you know, if it doesn't happen this year, it's going to happen in the years to come. Yeah, I think so. Scott Satterfield definitely has righted the ship. That team played really hard for him. Uh, but getting to a 500 record is going to be asking a lot in his first year. Thanks, Tim. Coming up, it's the all-time Irish hero. Key to an Irish victory, injury report, and the world-famous Irish Illustrated prediction. And during the break, it's the Fighting Irish Fact of the Week, brought to you by our friends at Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. This is the 326th edition of Fighting Irish Preview. Shine the light into my room. Oh, I'm sure the morning sun can eliminate my gloom. If it shine a little light into my room, all I want is some sunshine, sunshine. Shining through these windows of mine, and I want it to be easy, easy. Your Choices, Treat each house as if it was your own. Our mission statement at Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Hi, I'm Jim Bushy. At Bushy's, we're proud of our home improvement products that we offer, and we are even more proud of the award-winning installers who will come to your home. Right now, take advantage of our 12-month 0% interest payment plan, and estimates are always free. So call Bushy's at 456-1247, stop into our showroom, or check out Bushy'sFW.com. Bushy's Windows, Doors, and Remodeling. Your clear choice. Your clear choice is Bushies. Your clear choice is Bushies. The Fighting Irish Fact of the Week is brought to you by our friends at the accounting firm of Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba. Notre Dame will face an unprecedented seven teams coming off of bye weeks this season. The Irish will have a strategic bye week of their own the week before playing at Michigan. Haynes, Eisenbarger, and Skiba is a full-service accounting firm dedicated to providing professional, personalized services and guidance for a wide range of financial and business needs. At Coors, our mountain is creating a more sustainable world. 
So this summer we've made it our purpose to repurpose, making tap handles out of recycled aluminum, transforming beer kegs into grills, and even turning billboards into cooler bags. While we do our part, all we ask is you do yours by recycling every can and bottle of Coors Light that you drink. Because everyone can make a difference. Coors Light. Whatever your mountain, climb on. Coors Brewing Company, Golden, Colorado. Great beer, great responsibility. Now back to Fighting Irish Preview with your host, Phil Halk. This is Fighting Irish Preview, the Irish are idle this week. Next week will be their home opener against Bob Davies' New Mexico Lobos. TV coverage on NBC starts at 2.30 p.m. South Bend time. And it's now time for the all-time Irish hero. Brought to you by the Marina at Lake Gage. Chris Craft, Mastercraft, and Premier Pontoons, we share your boating passion. And today we continue our series on the great defensive players of the last 60 years. Week one, it was multi-sports star from the mid-60s defensive lineman Kevin Hardy. This week, another defensive lineman, Alan Page. In 1963, Page, out of Canton, Ohio, came to South Bend to earn a Notre Dame degree and to play football. He worked hard and applied himself to both pursuits and went on to impressive careers both on and off the field. At Notre Dame, he was a dominant defensive tackle who helped lead the Irish to the 1966 National Championship, the same year that he earned consensus All-American honors. A first-round draft pick of the Minnesota Vikings, he played in 218 consecutive pro games and was All-Pro nine times during his 15-year NFL career, That included his last three seasons with the Chicago Bears. In 1978, while still playing, he earned a law degree, fulfilling a lifelong ambition to be a lawyer. During the next few off-seasons, he practiced law during the off-season, and upon football retirement, he went to work for the Attorney General of the state of Minnesota. Then, in 1992, at the age of 47, he ran and was elected to the Minnesota Supreme Court where he had a distinguished career that lasted 22 years. In 2018, President Donald Trump awarded Page the Presidential Medal of Freedom. Tim, Allen Page clearly is one of the best examples ever of success by a Notre Dame player, both on and off the field. Well, the ultimate in Notre Dame men, <laughs> there's just no doubt about it. Was he not NFL MVP one year, which is unheard of for a a defensive lineman, he was fantastic and, and set the stage for some great things to come uh, under Air Parsi. And tremendous college player, tremendous pro, and even better post-football career. Yeah, his post-football career is just remarkable. And if you ever want to dig into somebody who really made something out of himself, just, just Google Alan Page. Uh, and as you said, the 1971 NFL Player of the Year, Alan Page was inducted into the Pro Football Hall of Fame in 1988. Page had actually worked on the construction of the Hall of Fame building while growing up in Canton. Alan Page, another Marina at Lake Gage, all-time Irish hero. The Marina at Lake Gage, we love boats. And it's now time for the Aspen Mortgage Early Line on New Mexico. New Mexico is coached by former Notre Dame head coach Bob Davey who took ill shortly after New Mexico opened up their season last week with a 39-31 victory over Sam Houston State. Last season, New Mexico finished at 3-9 for the second straight year. Tim Priester, what is the Aspen Mortgage early line on the New Mexico Lobos? I don't think they're as bad as their record the last two years indicates. 
Bob Davies done a pretty good job there up until the last couple of years. They've got some pieces offensively. In speaking with him this summer for uh, an interview with Irish Illustrated, he feels that you know they're they're good at tight end. They've got some components that uh, along the offensive line. If they can keep their quarterbacks healthy, which they weren't able to do last year, if they can keep their quarterbacks healthy, he likes his top two quarterbacks. So I think New Mexico is probably a little bit better than we anticipate. Not enough to beat Notre Dame under the circumstances, but I know that people in New Mexico are pretty excited about their opportunity to come to Notre Dame Stadium. Okay, and that is Tim Priester's Aspen Mortgage early line on New Mexico. And and Tim, for this week's Aspen Mortgage key player, let's shift gears a little and talk a little bit more about Bob Davey, who you said you interviewed uh, this past summer and did a series of articles. Davey unfortunately fell ill after the game last week, and it's now been announced that he will not be able to return to South Bend due to his medical situation, which is obviously unfortunate. But Tim, we started this show the year Bob Davey took over uh, at Notre Dame in 1997. So I feel a certain kinship with him. And you interviewed him, as I said. What did you learn about his life after Notre Dame? Well, I, I thought it was interesting that, I mean, he was instrumental in getting New Mexico to uh, schedule Notre Dame or to come to Notre Dame Stadium. And, and uh, New Mexico, while he's been head coach, has gone to Pittsburgh and played in Arizona and Texas A&M. And those are three other places that he coached, he actually encouraged um, his athletic director to, to take that opportunity to come to Notre Dame when a spot opened on Notre Dame's schedule. So I liked Bob Davey personally when he was defensive coordinator. He lacked some of the uh, essential ingredients, I think, to be a head coach in Notre Dame, as we soon found out. But he's a good guy. He's a good football coach. He's a good defensive coach. They're struggling a little bit defensively now because he's having difficulty you know, recruiting top-notch defensive talent. He tells me they get one or two scholarship players out of the state of New Mexico every year. So obviously that expands their horizons and makes it a little bit more difficult to recruit. Well, Bob Davey, I always thought had a brilliant football mind, but that doesn't always translate into being a great coach. Uh, Bob Davey, now in his eighth season at New Mexico, he's won 34 games, lost 54, while at Notre Dame, his five-year record was 35-25, and 25, and we wish him a full and speedy recovery. Aspen Mortgage, for all your mortgage needs, call 486-LOAN. And it's now time for the Injury Report, brought to you by Indiana Physical Therapy, your choice for physical therapy, now with 19 Indiana locations. Tim, we've talked about Jafar Armstrong. That's a big loss. Maybe we can talk about somebody coming back. A hint there, Cole Komet. How did the Irish stand health-wise during the bye week? Yeah, there's a possibility Cole Komet comes back for the New Mexico game. We'll see it here in the next few days. Um, Chase Claypool looked like he got dinged up late in the game. They brought him out for interviews, so that's a. I thought he. T- I thought it was a helmet-to-helmet contact that wasn't called, and I thought maybe uh, he might have suffered a concussion. They brought him out for interviews after the game, so that would mean that he was cleared and okay, but. Uh, you know, pretty good. Other than that, I mean, you know, Jafar Armstrong, unfortunately for Notre Dame, is a, is a pretty significant loss, but otherwise they're in pretty good shape. Of course, Michael Young 
remains out with his broken collarbone as well. Well, one day those guys are going to come back. Let's hope that we don't add any more to that injury list. And that is the Indiana Physical Therapy Injury Report. And it's now time for the world-famous Irish Illustrated Prediction, brought to you by irishillustrated.com. Tim Priester for the bye week. We're going to try something a little different. Now, Vegas has the Notre Dame over-under for victories this season at 9.5. So I'm asking you to predict the final Notre Dame record and and, and predict against whom any losses may come. I, I don't. I, maybe I shouldn't say I never change my pick after the first game of the year, but in this instance, I'm not going to change based upon the first game. I mean, it's obvious they've got some issues that they're going to have to deal with at running back. And a linebacker, but I picked initially. I picked ten and two. I think nine and a half is the correct line. Uh, if they, you know, even before the Louisville game, if you would have told me they'd finished nine and three, I wouldn't have argued with that. I'm go- I'm going to stick with ten and two because I don't, I don't know how realistic it is to go to Georgia under the circumstances and win that football game. And then you still have Michigan on the road. You can always get tripped up. I think a couple of the, the. Um, trap game potentially trap games are Virginia the week after Georgia and Virginia Tech who I think is going to be a much better team the week after Michigan and you have to close at Stanford where Notre Dame has has not had a lot of success lately whether they were good mediocre or bad they've been losing at Stanford so I'm going to stick with 10 and 2 right now I'm not going to let an opener sway me one way or another I would say that about any team in the country Um, so I'll stick with 10 and 2 right now Okay, as for me, Tim, I'm feeling nine and three. I'm going to pick losses at Georgia and Michigan, but I think I'm going to go with a win at Stanford. I just feel that the Irish are bound to win one of those three games, uh, but I'm afraid somebody's going to bite the Irish at home, and it might be Virginia. But uh, we can also hope that the Irish close things up. And in fact, I'll predict it with a bowl victory for their third straight double-digit win. So. I'll go with an overall record, including the bowl of 10-3. and Thanks, Tim. Thanks, Phil. Go Irish, and thanks for listening to Fighting Irish Preview. Special thanks to Jim Shovelin, Art Salzberg, and studio producer Adam Schenkel. Fighting Irish Preview is the copyrighted property of Judge Phil Productions. Podcasts by Federated Media. Podcasts by Federated Media.